today on CityCast Denver. The Broncos are wrapping up yet another losing season this Saturday, but the real juicy football drama is just starting to get good. They could either have a couple million dollars of income a year, or they could have about $500 million a piece right now because you take the five billion whatever it's going to be sold for and divide that by seven that's why some of the kids say i don't want to back britney i want this thing to myself right now because a million this year sure that's great how about 700 500 million that sounds better zach stevens and ryan koningsberg of the dnvr broncos podcast are on the show today to break down the broncos eminent ownership transfer and explain how we got here Today is Wednesday, January 5th, 2022. I'm Bree Davies, and this is CityCast Denver. That's smart to have a, a backup system like this in place. The worst thing is to get to the end of a podcast and realize something it's, went wrong. It's pretty much our worst nightmare. <laughs> like, oh, we have no show. Got to rehash everything we just said and pretend like it's fresh and original and laugh at all the stupid jokes. And... <laughs> well, Ryan Konigsberg and Zach Stevens, welcome to CityCast Denver. Thanks for having us. It's awesome to be on. Yeah, thank you so much. So all season, we've been seeing these stories about the Broncos potentially being sold, and there's all sorts of wild rumors. So I wanted you guys to help me understand what's happening. Where exactly are we right now with this potential sale of the Broncos? Well, I'll start here. Uh, Before the season, uh, Joe Ellis, who's the president of the Broncos, came out and essentially said... At some point after the season, before next season, this team will be sold. Um, And and that's actually kind of rare. So we know that a sale is going to happen, uh, or I guess a transfer of ownership to be um, completely correct there. He didn't say a sale exactly. So, of course, that keeps the the door open for the Bolin children um, to still sneak in there. But most people are assuming that that is going to be a sale that is going to take place at some point in the offseason. Okay, and and you just mentioned the name Bolin, and that's referring to the former owner of the Broncos, Pat Bolin, and he passed away in 2019, but his family drama is kind of at the root of this sale. Can you go back a little bit and tell me more about who Pat Bolin was and what his legacy really means to this team? Right. I'll, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll take this <laughs> over. So uh, three decades ago, Pat Bolin bought the Denver Broncos for like $100 million. And it was it was a risky thing for him to do back then. He was a guy that obviously had a lot of money, but he wasn't a, a billionaire 30 years ago that could just throw money around and, and, and not care about his investment. He really, really cared about the Denver Broncos and pretty much all of his money, maybe even sometimes more than he could afford went into the Broncos. And so that's kind of one of the reasons why he was such a beloved owner and so loved in Denver was because he not only embraced Denver, he embraced the Broncos. And his whole thing was, I want to do everything to win. And when you're a fan, I mean, that's all you can ask for from an owner is be a good person and then also do everything you can to win and support the community, which is what Pat Boland did. Super Bowl championship for John Elway and the Denver Broncos. There's one thing I want to say here tonight. There's only four words. 
This one's for John. And Denver will become the sixth franchise in NFL history to win back-to-back Super Bowls. When you hear the stories about Pat Bowen, uh, it, it, all you hear is good things. You know, he, he knew the names of, you know, the kids of the janitor who worked the building. Um, I wrote a story a couple of years ago about how uh, the team had told their uh, team chiropractor that he could only have one ticket to the uh, to the Super Bowl. Um, so he wasn't going to be able to bring his family. And, uh, you know, Pat Bowen was talking to him one day while he was getting worked on and was like, so, like, are you bringing all the kids out? And they're like, oh, no, they told me I could only have one ticket. And he was like, oh, no, 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 that is not how we're doing this. How You tell me how many tickets you need. I got you covered. Well, and I, I'm going to say this, and he would not want me to say this, but this one's for Pat! And then sometime in the 2000s, he was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, and mm. so he set up a trust, and there were different versions of this trust that continued to change o- over the years. And then, of course, the Broncos changed ownership from Pat Bolin having day-to-day control to the trust taking over. And then, of course, Pat uh, passed away a couple of years ago, and nothing changed then with the ownership of the team. Um, and I guess I'll, I'll have to be the, the bearer of bad news. Pat Bowen was incredible, and he did a lot of really great things for the Broncos and honestly for the city uh, as a whole. The Pat Bowen Trust uh, is not one of his shining moments. Um, it, it was not very well thought out, in my opinion. And basically what he did was he appointed – three different people, uh, Joe Ellis and essentially two lawyers and said, okay, your job is to make a decision of which one of my seven children is most fit to own the team once they're, you know, all old enough to potentially do that. And on top of that, then you had a lot of the kids who, you know, didn't necessarily uh, even really present themselves as an option. Um, and then the final ones there, you know, obviously it started to become a bit of like a game of Thrones situation where (laughs) everyone wants the throne. So that's kind of part of the issue here is like, we can't get everybody on the same page. How did the family respond to that arrangement that he had made with the trust? Well, it, it kind of started to trickle out more so, at, unfortunately, as Pat's health declined. And, and obviously, at this point, he didn't have, um, he didn't have the, the position with the Broncos in terms of day-to-day operations. And that's when the trust was in control. And so we started to see things trickle out. And I think the big first step, and Ryan, you can correct me if I'm wrong, was Beth Bolin coming out. Uh, and now also to, to throw a couple more things in here, uh, there's, there's two different moms in this family. Pat Bullen had two different families. And so that's there. Some of the kids are in, are in one of the marriages. Some are are in the other. It it seems like at times they can all get, they can all get along and they're all one big happy family, but that's kind of where the divide is, is between these two different families uh, going into it. And so the first one, Beth, she's, she's older and she was part of uh, the, his first wife's family. And the first thing that kind of came out was she made a statement. I would like to put my uh, put myself out there to be the next owner of the Denver Broncos, and she had worked for the Broncos uh, in the past, and not in any major roles. Uh, and the Broncos responded pretty much the next day, and what they said was, 
what you said about being qualified is not true. You are not qualified. You are never going to be qualified. Essentially, that was the start because then how did Beth feel about that? Well, she did not like it. It was embarrassing. The Broncos did not mince their words. They sent a very clear message. And that's kind of, to me, where all the drama started. And right around that time, um, rumors started to matriculate as to why the why would the Broncos come out and say that? Um, and you know there was different stuff, I guess unconfirmed in terms of uh, when she did work for the team, she wasn't very well liked around the building. You know, again, rumors here wasn't showing up for work on time. Kind of walked around the place like my dad was the owner, like, you know, what are you going to do? Fire me. So again, that those are some of the things that had come out. Oh, messy. (laughs) (laughs) So I want to talk about Joe Ellis again, because he seems to be the main decider in all of this. What does he want? Well, um, he said that he doesn't want to do this anymore. Uh, he, you know, he's getting up there in age. He's been a part of the Broncos organization for a very long time. And the reason why I guess, it's unprecedented is he didn't say the team was for sale. You know, you've heard that in the past, you know, uh, where a team is up for sale and the bidding process begins, but he wasn't ready, I guess, to rule out um, Brittany Bowen, who is really the only uh, one we haven't talked about. Yeah. I was going to say one of the kids that's been very much in the news in this story. Well, I guess the most important thing to know about her, is she's really young, um, just into her early thirties now And that would just be, you know, that's the number one hurdle uh, that I think was always going to be there for her is the timeline wasn't lining up. Um, You know, I've joked about it on our show, like there's already very little uh, diversity in in NFL ownership circles, Uh, like a young woman, all of a sudden being in there, first of all, would be awesome. Um, but it's just, it, it seems unlikely, uh, you know, the, the other owners have to approve this stuff. Oh, um, really? And so other owners of teams have a stake in what happens with the Broncos. Exactly. Um, yeah, they can, they can essentially vote no, um, to someone coming in and, and being an NFL owner. And there's all these rules and stuff. Yeah. And, and really quick, just, I mean, the, the biggest qualification that she doesn't have, like Ryan was saying, was the age. And then also just the experience as well, not just in the NFL, but the experience in terms of being uh, a, a business person. Brittany doesn't have that. And, and she is extremely qualified for her age. And again, that's just what's going to hold her back is for her age. And by the way, she doesn't have a couple billion dollars to be able to spend right now on her own. But she went to uh, she went to Notre Dame. Then she got her MBA at Duke. Then she went and worked at a consulting company. And for the past couple of years, she has worked with the Broncos. Now she's a senior vice president with the Broncos. She is everything I've heard. She is like her dad in terms of the way she treats people. Although being a Bolin member, that's you don't find that with, with billionaires' kids sometimes. She treats everyone with re- respect. Uh, and she's actually led the Broncos' COVID operation for these past couple of years. And, and, and she's done a fantastic job with that. She has passed every test with flying colors. Yeah. Just the thing is that that's going to hold her back from truly taking ownership and being the owner of the Broncos is... Six of the other kids, or I shouldn't say all six of them, but not all seven kids want the team to be passed to her because what does that mean? Well, it still means that they'll get income from the team, but they could either have a couple million dollars of income a year 
or they could have about $500 million a piece right now because you take the $5 billion, whatever it's going to be sold for, and divide that by seven. That's why some of the kids say, I don't want to back Britney. I want this thing to myself right now because a million this year, sure, that's great. How about 700, 500 million? That sounds better. <laughs> and here's the elephant in the room is that, you know, the Broncos are bad now. Mm. Uh, and this is a proud franchise in the history of the league. You know, um, it, it's really when it comes to a team that isn't on either coast or the Cowboys, you know, this is one of the more popular franchises in the NFL and all of a sudden they're in disarray. And, you know, um, when Pat Bowen was the day-to-day owner of the Denver Broncos, they never had back-to-back losing seasons. That's over 30 years of time. They never had back-to-back losing seasons. If they were bad one year, he was going to do whatever it took the next year to make them good again. And here we are sitting on the heels of five consecutive losing seasons. Something is very wrong with a franchise that isn't used to this, at least not since, you know, the 70s. And the NFL, you know, we, we can guess is saying, hey, we got to do something about this. So they, they are likely putting more pressure on the team to get this figured out. This episode is brought to you by Pine Melon, the farmer's market delivered. Pine Melon is a next generation grocery delivery app that partners with over 200 farmers, ranchers, and producers in Colorado to help make fresh, locally sourced foods available to the Denver community at fair prices. Get high quality meats, eggs, and dairy from small local farms, fresh baked breads from local bakeries, and more, as well as all of your favorite pantry staples. Best part is, Pine Melon offers same-day delivery to Denver and soon Boulder within a two-hour window, no subscription necessary. Save time in your busy schedule and get fresh and healthy groceries delivered right to your door. Join the movement and support local today. Use promo code CityCastDenver for $75 off your first delivery at PineMelon.com. That's PineMelon.com. A few months ago, there were rumors about potential buyers like Peyton Manning, John Elway, Jeff Bezos, and Jay-Z even. Are any of those realistic? The one that, you know, everyone wants to hear and the one that I actually believe is realistic is Peyton Manning. Now, Peyton Manning himself is not rich enough to buy an NFL team. Um, so that's where, you know, I guess the uh, it gets a little bit cloudy uh, for the NFL, the NFL would much prefer some mega billionaire to come in, you know, write a check and take the team than what would have to take place with Peyton Manning, which is an ownership group. Um, and essentially that's, you know, Peyton Manning and all of his rich friends pool together money and they own the team. Maybe Peyton has a small stake, uh, you know, however much he can afford. And then he is the figurehead for that group that represents the team. Um, and I think that is a possibility in this very specific case more than it would be in other cases because the NFL loves Peyton Manning. You know, he's yeah. the perfect representation for them at any level. They, they want him involved in every single way they can. So while they normally would just say like, no, we want Bezos to just come in, write a check. It's done. We don't have to worry about them putting together a board and voting and this, that, and the other thing. But the combination of the NFL's love for Peyton Manning and Denver's love for Peyton Manning 
creates a, a specific scenario where I think they would say, hey, this actually is the best case scenario for ownership in Denver. And, and you know, we're on board with this. So um, so where are we with negotiations? Um, I would love to hear predictions from you guys on what you think is next. Well, I think I think it's pretty clear now. We've seen some things kind of trickle out over the season, even though it's still been very quiet on the public front. We've seen some things where the Broncos and, and the Trust have been talking to investment banks and, and have been talking about people to kind of get the process started of selling. We've heard John Elway's name. Like you said, Jay-Z and Bezos' name have also been out there as well. And what I think this is setting up for is a very big bid for this for this team. I think this is going to be a very competitive process and I do think that it's going to move on from the Bolin family and I think it's something that for selling a 4 to 5 to 6 billion dollar organization is going to happen relatively quick. I think we get the official word in the next couple of weeks if not a month and then by the time the Broncos season starts, I think they have a new owner. Well, Ryan and Zach, thank you so much. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having us on. Yeah, this was great. You guys, that was so good. Yeah, this is wildly fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> what an incredible Yeah, show. I mean, we could go all day. Uh, we didn't even get to the part uh, where they we randomly found out about another child uh, <laughs> yeah. in the last two years. Yeah. <laughs> another yeah. bowling child? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yes, another bowling child from another woman. Yeah, uh, that that the kid, the rest of the kids didn't know about for a long time, and until like the funeral, about. right? Yeah, yeah, they're like, who is this? Who is this eighth person on uh, on <laughs> Dad's will? <laughs> oh, I guess we should probably tell you. <laughs> and here's what else is happening in Denver today: one in four Denverites who have been tested are showing up positive for COVID nineteen in Denver, according to Mayor Hancock yesterday. Denverite reports that this comes as city officials have extended the indoor mask mandate through February 3rd. Oh, and did I mention the mayor currently has COVID? And so do I. And so does my baby. And we were all vaxxed and boosted and masked. But I digress. The stock show is starting next week after taking the year off due to, you know, but it's off to a rocky start. Yesterday, organizers canceled the annual kickoff parade through the streets of Denver, saying it was too cold for the animals. The actual stock show, however, is still tentatively going forward as planned. While masks are required for indoor events, the stock show has received an exemption and won't be requiring proof of vaccination. Because, of course. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell a friend about us, rate the show wherever you get your podcasts, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. See you later. Was that okay? <laughs> okay, <laughs> should I do it again? <laughs>